Maybe that opening fires me up for draft talk. I am so excited about tonight's draft on tap with Danny Shimon and Neil Stopchinski. Before we get started, I got to tell you, I have put in a bunch of hours today into draft coverage. Greg Gabriel and I spent two and a half hours recording segments for our new barroom draft exclusives, which is on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash barroom draft. Tons of new material is going to be posted over the next few days from Danny and from Greg. It's really in-depth, into-the-weeds kinds of scouting reports that you would see in publications and so forth. But it's all tailored for the Chicago Bears fan. So you've got to jump in on that. And then also, I am super psyched about the private party that Neil and Danny are throwing on virtual reality, on our screens here, and it just it's the cost of a, a shot and a beer in some places, or maybe just a beer at the ballpark, $10 to join them in this private chat, and uh, it's a private party, so you can ask all your questions, you can bring in your mock drafts, you can get into the weeds with them, challenge them on their evaluations. It'll be great fun, and it's going to be 60 to 90 minutes long. It's on March 1st. All you got to do is send me an email at aldo at bearsbarroom.com. It's up on the screen there, and I will reserve a spot for you. There are limited spots available, so please act quickly, as they say in the commercials. Let me bring in the guys First of all, I'm going to bring in, I usually bring in Danny first, but I think Neil Stopchinski deserves this honor tonight. Neil, how are you, my friend? My dog. I appreciate the love there. I appreciate the love. Man, it's been a been a crazy week and a half, dude. Yeah. With, uh, the entire week last week, I mean, it was just nonstop film, nonstop chaos, nonstop just football. With uh, National Signing Day was Wednesday, which pretty much carried into a National Signing Weekend. Almost with all the things we had to catch up on and everything else. We had senior bowl all week that I was, I was watching or at least trying to watch film on didn't get a chance to access the film until later on in the week, but that's another story for another day. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was, you know, great week worth of worth of football. I'm uh, finally starting to recover a little bit from last week. Yeah. Sleepless, yeah, uh, sleep, sleepless <laughs> days and nice and all those different types of things. And uh, you know, man, it's just, it's just been nuts. It's just been nuts. I tell you, I got a kick out of uh, watching my kids and my wife Christmas shop and stuff. I wish they got a kick out of watching me <laughs> pour over these uh, scouting uh, uh, prospects and, and so forth and being so involved in this because it really is great fun for us. And I know one guy who's having a ton of fun is this gentleman here. His name is Danny Shimon. Danny, how are you, my friend? What's going on, guys? What's going on? I'm, have, I'm having a great time, actually. just came back from Vegas watching the uh, East West Shrine practices and uh, – 
I was telling Aldo, man, yeah, I, I, I need a bump in pay, man, because I was the first time I was in Vegas, I didn't party at all. I, I didn't even think I had any alcohol. I mean, I was just straight up watching practice, <laughs> taking a look at film. Well, that, that's the truth. That's the truth, Neil. That right. is the honest truth. And, and I feel bad for not doing anything. But uh, yeah, uh, but I had a great time. Obviously, uh, get to you know mingle with some of these players. You know, met some of the you know the contacts I have in the NFL down there. Uh, got some 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 nice information that uh, that we'll we'll be probably be sharing as as the weeks come along here, especially for our for our Patreon uh, uh, followers. Yeah, especially for them. But also, I'm so, so excited about this party. I got a little commercial. Let's run it right now uh, because I really want to emphasize how cool this is. This party is going to be that you two guys are hosting. I'm going to be just in the background on that uh, particular show. I want you guys to interact with our fans in such a huge way that they will you know, want to send you Christmas gifts. So here's yeah, a little the in case it gets a little too rowdy in there. You come in and break it up. There you go. I haven't been a bouncer in about 40 years, but I uh, can pretend to be one. <laughs> hey, everyone. Want to let you know that Danny Shimon and Neil Stopchinski are co-hosting a private draft talk party. That's right. It's private. For 90 minutes, you can join the Draft on Tap co-host and get the type of quality draft talk you yearn for as much as I yearn for my maker's mark. You lead the discussion. Talk about your favorite prospect and get Danny and Neil's analysis. If you want, share your favorite mock with the guys or bring up a prospect off everyone's radar. The cost is only a $10 donation, or as we say here at the barroom, a $10 cover charge. You'll get 90 minutes of your personalized draft talk and even get a copy of the video to share with your friends. Now, there are only seven slots available. That's right, only seven, so you must act fast. What you need to do is email me at aldo at beersbarroom.com. Tell me you want to party with the guys, and I'll get you the information you need. The party is Wednesday, March 1st at 8 p.m. Central, so don't hesitate. It's only a $10 donation, the cost of a beer and a shot of whiskey. In some places in America, <laughs> that's going to be a blast. I can't wait for that day to happen. But we've got so much to do here. You guys will be, by the way, leading the discussion with Danny and Neil at that party. I am leading the discussion today. And what I want to start off with first is the importance of these all-star games. There's lots of varying opinions on that, but it's clear that a really good performance during Shrine Bowl week practices, Senior Bowl week pra uh, practices can be huge, even much huger than the actual game itself. I'll go back to uh, Danny and I, what was it, uh, four years ago, we're at the Senior Bowl and we're watching Terry McLaurin play and we quickly saw whoa a minute this this is not the guy we necessarily saw at ohio state and in fact jim Nagy, the executive director of the senior bowl brought that up this week so terry that year was like a five or a six and i told terry when he got here god down is true that i invited him up his his punt cover stuff like watching him as a gunner because that's where you really saw the speed show up and you remember he was the number two receiver to paris campbell that year and we, we sent an invite to Paris Campbell, and he, he didn't accept it. Um, and so when Terry got down here, I'm like, well, at least we know he can run. We know he's a really high-character guy. The people at Ohio State loved him. And so for him to come down and run routes the way he ran routes that you didn't see at Ohio State, because that's that's one of the huge benefits for the wideouts is you get some of these college offenses, and they're just not, they're not running NFL routes. 
So, you know, Terry was like a five or a six, and he gets goes in the third. For a, for a kid from Ohio State to jump two or three rounds, that's a massive jump. And now in hindsight, what, they should have been in the first to get way underdrafted. So, uh, yeah, he's doing all right. He's doing all right. He's doing quite well. He'd look be doing even better if he was wearing navy blue and burnt orange, but who knows? Maybe that'll happen mm -hmm. in the future. All right, guys. I remember, that, I remember that week or that year, although I said I said this guy was is is a hell of a special teams player, but he's out here creating separation. He's he's running terrific routes, crisp routes. I mean, his, his the way he ability stem the routes at the top of his routes, and and that 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 year was just was awesome. And then obviously it goes from a fifth, sixth round pick to a like like Jim said to a third round pick, but. I have a couple of guys that I'm I've eyed so far, and I and I think are I'm not going to be I'm not saying they're going to be Terry McLaurin good, but they're going to be they're going to go late in the draft that have a chance to be some some uh, some playmakers here at the next level. So stay tuned. All for right. Those. Well, Danny, why don't we start with you and start with A. T. Perry because I know that's a guy that really caught your eye down in Las Vegas for the East West Shrine Bowl game. A. T. Perry, the whiteout out of Wake Forest. Take it away, my friend. Well, A.T. Perry is, is a guy, actually, although I've liked throughout the season, him and him and Zay Flowers were, were both receivers that I've always talked about in terms of this upcoming draft and, and, and guys that the Bears could look at, right? Uh, I, I think, and to be honest, I think watching the the, the week-long practices there, uh, also the game as well, I, I, the, the talent there, you know, was probably day day three talent in terms of what was at, at the East-West Shrine game, except for A.T. Perry and possibly Zay Flowers. I think those guys have a chance to go day two. But with A.T. Perry, what I like and what I've liked all along is, is the size, the body control, the 6'3", 195, almost 34-inch arm length. This is a kid that, that gets downfield. He's a guy that that for these, you know, these jump ball opportunities will go up there and, and extend away from his frame, bring in, the, uh, bring in the, the reception. Terrific body control to be able to contour his body, his frame to make acrobatic catches downfield. And here you see creating some separation. He's not, not going to be a guy that's going to blaze the, the 40 at the combine. You know, he's going to run anywhere between a high 4.5, you know, mid 4.5s. But he's a guy that, that knows how to you know, be able to stem his route at the top of his at the top of his route there, get get some separation, especially on those slant routes. Utilize his body, his frame, to be able to give the quarterback a nice target to throw to. And again, we're talking about the size, 6'3", you know, 30, almost 34-inch arms to be able to extend away from his frame adjust for those and this is a guy that i can see in the nfl being a, a, a superior threat in terms of like those back shoulder throws you know anything you kind of throw him throw him in uh throw him open into the corner of the end zone him, his ability to get down there and get open and, and make plays there, there's a couple highlights that i don't think we have for here right now but i mean he's just running down and just con contouring his body and making a hell of a catch in the end zone so uh at perry uh is, is a kid that i like i liked a lot the only question with him is going to be speed you know some some teams who want guys that create that instant separation off the line of scrimmage you know are, are not going to look at at perry but guys who like bigger body receivers teams like big body receivers guys that can make plays down a football field you know even if he's covered he's he's not he's not covered you know what i'm saying he's one of those kind of receivers where you just throw the ball in his vicinity he can go up and make a play on a football so that's why i like at perry a lot um, Neil, have you had a chance to take a look at A.T. Perry? Because I'm interested in your thoughts on this big wide receiver. Only really what I saw during game day. You know, unfortunately, they didn't have the practices for East West Shrine game televised. I haven't gone that deep into, uh, you know, film on that particular position as of yet. But, uh, I mean, you love, the kid, you love the kid's size. You love the, the length of his arms. You know, all the things that Danny talked about are in, uh, incredibly enticing types of things. And I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, one of the dynamic catches that was actually, one of the dynamic offensive plays that was actually made in that game was by A.T. Perry, I think. If, if you, correct me if I'm wrong, Danny. I, I, I'm having a hard time remembering. 
There was an East West an East West Shrine game, or I know there was a practice throw where I don't think we have a clip here, but I I saw the practice table where he does a nice job in terms of you know getting open again. What he showed at at the at the practices and and is what's I caught some scouts' eyes and his ability in terms of being able to create some separation over the top with some leverage and, and you know running away from defenders. You know his feet at the top of his rod are really quiet, especially for for a bigger guy. You know that, that that's something you you don't find a lot. You know when these guys stop at the top of the rod and they sink their hips, you hear the the pitter patting of their feet, but his guy's got quiet feet for such a you know big angular you know receiver so and what he was doing like i said he was creating some separation at the east west shrine practices uh something that he hadn't really done uh throughout his collegiate career on tape but again you know he was he was running a little bit, a little bit more quick a little bit more faster so uh you know if he, that continues and, and if you know if he goes in the combine and runs a a, a crazy 40 time who knows you know they, they train for these things you know they, they might you know get him to a point where he runs a, a four four a high four four then you can see this kid definitely going in a second round Neil, um, I want to stay on the wide receiver track. I know uh, you took a close look at Nathaniel Tank Dell. Um, frankly, I, I don't think I recall seeing him play a game during the regular season. So when I got there to the senior bowl, I was super impressed with what I saw. Tell me what you saw in his practice tape. Yeah, Nathaniel Tank Dell. I don't think anybody called him Nathaniel all week. I think it was just Tank, 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 you know, the entire time. But uh you know, Tank Dell from Houston, uh, we talked on the last show about a lot of guys that I brought up that I was going to take a look at, and Team Captain was one of the things that I brought up as just in from an intangible standpoint, something I love to see because that means leadership, that means intangibles, that means you're probably a grown-up, you know how to handle yourself right, you know, you, you bring teammates with you, you have great energy, you know, you have all these different types of things that make you a great locker room guy, and the one thing that Poles wants to always talk about is the, 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 the kind of character and the culture of the locker room. So right away, you look at that and you think to yourself, okay, well, this kid's got, got it together, right? Um, you know, not a, not a very big kid at all. He's 5'8 and 3'8, uh, 163 pounds. But the thing about Tank is that he is explosive and he's fast. And in the way that he runs his routes, he is extremely violent in the, in the sense that he can easily create separation. He's very sharp in, in the cuts that he makes. He's got great juice out of, out of his breaks. And that, that allows him to make uh, you know big plays very easily, easily seemingly. And as you're watching the film here, there's typically nobody within you know five ten yards of him. He's getting you know past the secondary. He's in open space. He's finding the holes. He was a very impressive player to watch all week. But I mean specifically, it, I was thinking back last year. I think it was last year when Calvin Austin from Memphis was in this particular uh, bowl game. The way that he went about his business at practice. The way that he broke off routes, how violent he was with his feet, how how much juice he carried out of his breaks, it was extremely impressive. And that kid ended up going day two. Tank, I think, has probably better speed than Calvin Austin carried last year. Um, but uh, you know, as I look at it right now, twenty point one six is what he clocked on the zebra all week. And uh, you know, the kid would to me was just in, in, entirely impressive. You know, he's not going to blow you away with his measurables. He's not a big kid. He's going to be a slot guy. He's going to be a mismatch, you know, freak. But you know, he the way that he went about practice all week was was eye opening. Really was one of the fastest guys at uh, at Mobile, as you said. Uh, and some people, for some reason, were surprised by that. But uh, uh, whatever, uh, Danny. I know you've taken a look at uh, some of his play. What are your thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, what, what Neil's talked about and what we saw at, in Mobile was was pretty much, you know, what you're talking about. A guy that, that's probably going to be a slot receiver, you know, uh, diminutive in size, uh, you know, quicker. A guy that, that, can, that can, if you give him a two-way go, he's a guy that, that can, you know, go ahead and, and create some separation. Uh, that was what he was doing at, at down in Mobile in, in terms of one-on-one. Uh, his ability to be able to create separation and, and let, leave the DB in his dust. Uh, but the but the one concern is, guys, is, is he's 5'8", 5'8", 163. If you see his legs, I mean, they're they're skinny. I think I had skinny legs. I think his legs are skinnier than mine. Uh, but obviously, he's, he's explosive, right? So that's the thing is, like, with these kind of receivers, I mean, we've seen it before. We've seen it doing Eskridge's. You know, we've seen some other other guys come down there and just just create, create some huge separation on one-on-ones, use their quickness or speed, but then they go – you know, date, you know, round three or in some cases round four. So I think the same thing with, with, with Tank. I think, you know, a team that's going to take him is going to be have a team that's going to not really rely on him to be a number one option. He's going to be a number four, number five receiver, a guy they can use in different ways, gadget plays, jet sweeps, bubble screens, slip screens, like I said, in the slot. You know, but but it's it's going to be a team that that has weapons and can't afford to use a, a pick on, on a kid that's come in and be an extra, you know, weapon, if you will. But, yeah, in terms of quickness and in terms of, uh, you know, again, his his quarterback was down there in, in Mobile, claim too, and so I think you know that that was a nice kind of um, you know a plus for him there as well. But I mean, no doubt, you put the tape on, you see him one on one coverage. You know, there's no DB that can stay staying within five ten yards of him because he's got that type of separation and the quickness, especially if you give him a two way go. Mm -hmm. I think he's a valuable type. Oh, you're you're muted, Neil. Yeah, my bad. I had to, I let the cat out. There be too many opinions. Um, <laughs> I think uh, what you wish you could have seen this year was what Calvin Austin uh, would have done at Pittsburgh before he got hurt, because I think that would have been a pretty good precursor as to what you might see with Tank, how he would have been used, the kind of uh, you know offensive sets he would have been a part of, probably you know return man on special teams with the kind of dynamic playmaking ability that he has. But I, I think what you saw that this year was a pretty much a same, the same thing that you saw last year with Calvin, a kid that just went in and ripped up practice and, and created a lot of separation and kind of like dominated you know the one on ones. You know, he's a kid that could be taken early by, like Danny said, a team that has, you know, enough draft capital to go ahead and take a chance on a guy that already has some weapons. All right. Let's stay with the wide receivers, Danny. Why don't you uh, give me Antoine – what's his last name? Antoine, Antoine Green from North Carolina. That's the guy. Talk to me yeah, about him. Yeah, Antoine Green from North Carolina is a guy, honestly, guys, I, I had not watched on tape, you know, going down to to Vegas to watch him. But all I saw was you put on the – you put on the tape, or, or you're you lie there and, and uh, watching the practices live, and you put on the tape afterwards, and, and you see number 83 just just making catches. You know, a guy that's creating some separation. You know, being able to do, to get over the top on on DBs, and and a, a guy that really just uh, stood out for me in at, in terms of the, the East West Shrine game practices there. So you, know, I, you go back and you, you take a look at what he did in North Carolina, and and Anton Green is, is a kid that averaged. Uh, I want to make sure I'm got it right here. He averaged about you know 18 almost 19 yards a catch last season, you know, 798 yards, seven touchdowns previous year at almost 20 yards a catch with five touchdowns. So this is a guy that, that makes big plays just, you know, down there in North Carolina, a lot of people don't hear about him, but you can see right here, you know, in terms of his size, he's 6'2", you know, 201, he's got good size, you know, 32 and 5'8", in terms of his arm length. The hands are a little, they're, they're under nine inches, a little bit, you know, a little bit worrisome there. You want a little bit nine inches or higher in terms of hand size, but but you watch his tape and the guy makes good catches. He's the guy, again, guy extend away from his frame, reels in the 
the ball, nice, soft hands. You don't see a lot of double double catchers or bobbles or, or trapping it against his body. Um, you know, a guy that gives you some some of that deep playability as well. But again, at 6'2", 201, you know, if this kid comes in and if he runs, I'm not sure where he's going to run. He, he might run anywhere from the four fives or maybe high four fours. If he does that, I mean, he, I think he's going to be skyrocketed up in term, terms of where teams are going to look at him. Because I think he came in possibly to East-West Shrine game, you know, like – sixth, seventh round kind of guy, fifth round possibly. I think now if he has a good combine and continues on kind of just taking the momentum he created at the East-West Shrine practices and, and does a, has a great combine and then moves into his pro day, I think you're looking at a guy that could go as high as the fourth round, maybe tail end the third round. That's how, in terms of how he impressed a lot of scouts down at the East-West Shrine game. Excellent. Thank you very much for that report. Neil, uh, let's stay in the skill positions. Let's go. Why don't you give me a running back? Uh, we'll spin the wheel here and come up with running back Tajay Spears, one of my favorites down from the senior bowl. What do you got on him? Yeah, Tajay Spears, you know, I tweeted about him during the Cotton Bowl uh, last month. And what he did against University of Southern California was absolutely impressive. Then you, you pair it together with what he did in Mobile this past week, and you're talking about an absolutely sparkling 2023 for Ty J. Spears so far. And uh, I think he's, he was on the American team. Yeah, 5095, 204, 10-inch hands, big old hands, 35 ace arms. You know, good size for – I mean, you know, good length measurables for a little bit shorter of a kid. But, you know, that's not to say that this kid is tiny. That's not to say that this kid is doesn't have strength because he held his own during one-on-ones in terms of uh, you know, picking up the blitzes, pass rush drills all week. And uh, he had some incredible plays made in the passing game as well. You know, he's a, That's all the same types of stuff that he was able to show during the season, during that bowl game as well. The ability to take the ball out of the backfield in the running game, the ability to make plays in the passing game, and you know help his quarterback out when uh, blitzers came through the line. Um, you know, he's a really interesting kid. Um, he was actually the guy that uh, the uh, scouts and executives – at the end of the week, labeled their practice player of the week, you know, going into the game day on the weekend. So I like this kid a lot uh, just from what I've seen uh, watching him live uh, again last month during the bowl game, seeing him a little bit this week in practice. Um, Got to be honest, I want to go back and watch more film before I can really peg him as a guy that's going to come in and help us out right away. I think Chase Brown is another one of those guys from from the week that really impressed me from the running back position. But uh, Dijay Spears, the execs like him. I got to tell you, uh, when I arrived at Mobile over to the convention center for the opening uh, press conference, he was there earlier than me. And I got there around seven o'clock. Um, he had some media interviews. And so I was able to get him after he had completed a, uh, a radio interview. And one of the things that impressed me that he shared with me is that you know he really didn't have to play in that bowl game. Um, but he wanted to because of his teammates. You know, he had suffered a hamstring injury earlier in the season, missing the first four games or so. Uh, and so you would think that a guy, okay, I'm going to protect my investment here and not play in the bowl, uh, uh, bowl game. But he did play and had his best game of the season. And when I asked him if a scout asked you, what tape should I pull up? He said that USC game in that bowl game. And so he had a tremendous performance uh, that game. And I see, Danny, you've been nodding your head. You're a fan of mm -hmm. Tajay Spears, right? 
Yeah, I watched that bowl game against USC, and he was he was a man among boys, and he he carried that mm-hmm. two lane team versus versus the uh, uh, you know that that USC uh, Trojans team, and and you know and uh, the one thing about him, and, and I haven't dug it deep into his tape because I'm leaving running backs to a later part here in terms of the the, the order, pecking order I'm going in terms of these position groups here, but but while watching him is just is a smooth runner, you know, in terms of uh, uh, body control, be able to bounce off contact, you know, is, is a pass catcher and. Uh, Aaron O'Neill, if you had a chance to take a look at the, uh, the linebacker versus running back uh, blocking drills, and he's a guy that will block, yeah. will stick his head in there, he'll take on linebackers, he'll take on contact, and he'll protect his quarterback. So those are those are some key things as well for him. So you know, Taja Spears, again, guys, this is a reason why I don't give running backs their second contracts. This is a reason why I can find you guys in the draft that are coming. And, and, and Taja Spears wasn't even the running back I was looking at in terms of the, the senior bros. Roshan Johnson, unfortunately, broke a hand, bone in his hand and wasn't able to play. But, you know, he was a guy that I was really looking at to see, you know, in terms of possibility for the Bears. And then another kid, I know, Neil, Neil you kind of liked as well, is McIntosh from Georgia as well. So, you know, there mm-hmm. are talented players here at, at the running back position and Tyler Spears is just one of them uh and another thing about guys I don't know it just might be me being nostalgic here but number 22 running back from Tulane give you any sort of Matt Forte vibes here at all or what <laughs> yeah it. different types it. different types of players no doubt but yeah definitely uh could could yield the same kind of results uh despite their yeah. different playing styles uh I like Taj okay, that, well. that particular Maybe smooth runners sorry yeah he is. Uh, you know, what's interesting, it may, maybe there is more similarities between how they run. because And the pass catching I, ability as well. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. That That is a skill that perhaps he was underutilized at Tulane, the pass catching abilities. And I think that uh, a team would be wise to take advantage because the kid has really good hands. And I know Neil is nodding his head because he saw that in the practice tape, just like I did. Um, Tajay Spears, remember the name, whatever team he lands up with, he's, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, all right, let's, uh, uh, we're not done with skill players yet, but I want to uh, go over to the defensive tackle position uh, because there's somebody that uh, Danny wants to talk about, and that is uh, Chris Sims, I believe his name is. Uh, is that No, Dante. Dante Stills, yeah. Dante, Dante Stills, thank you. From West Virginia. He's a guy that in our in our previous show, the last time we talked about, you know, in terms of guys I'm looking forward to, he was the guy that I highlighted in terms of this kid from West Virginia. Uh, the play, he played at the odd man front, was, was used as a defensive end. I didn't feel that was his, his best position. Uh, you know, I think he's a guy that can kick inside and be a three technique, and that's where they utilized him here at, at, at the East-West Shrine game. And the, the kid was noticeable. He was popping in every practice. He came in at 6'3", 289, with 32 and plus inch arm length, uh, quick off the snap in terms of being able to, you know, and then uh, the hand use to go with. He's got the rip move. He's got a swim move. He can cross the face of the offensive guard and get into the gap. Definitely a guy that that showed off what I was hoping he'd show off, and that, that's the ability to play kick inside and play a three technique in this defense. And I think Dante Stills is a guy that to keep an eye on if, if you're the if you're a Bears fan looking at it, in case you don't get a you know if you trade down you don't have a Jalen Carter sitting there for you or if you you miss on defensive tackle in the first second or even if you want to get some depth, you know you, you know we've talked about it multiple times. Bring in multiple you know good depth players here. Dante Stills is a guy that you can kick inside a defensive tackle, and I think he could be a nice fit, a, a really ideal fit as a three technique in this defense. 
I like him. Uh, <laughs> was that the guy? <laughs> was that the guy when I was, I was I was at the bar watching the East West Shrine Bowl game from Mobile, and I I, I text Danny and I say, man, that defensive tackle is good. And see, he sends me a. a a hand uh, face palmed emoji and saying that's the guy I was talking about the other night on the show. I'm like, oh, that's right. <laughs> that's one of, yeah, multiple guys. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Good stuff there. Uh, let's uh, before we get to you, Neil. I want to see if uh, we can get a couple of these questions out of the way. Cliff Victoria was talking about uh, uh, Smith Najimba of Ohio State. You think that he's going to drop because of that hamstring injury this past season? I mean, he, I think he only played what three, four games games at Ohio State uh, and when he played well uh, it was because he had great receivers with him although he had great receivers last season but he is a huge question mark this this Ohio State wide receiver that a lot of people uh, are figuring as a first round selection but I don't know man I, I, I I've got to think that he's probably going to fall unless he has a tremendous combine uh, then he would be assured a first round pick what do you guys think Danny Unless he comes out and runs a four three forty, the kid's going in the second round. I can tell you that. Uh, I've heard some things that um, not a privy to to you know, let out here right now, but um, let's just say there there's some some concerns about about Jackson Smith and Jigba in terms of this past season, particularly with with um, I don't want to say character, but just but just some question marks. And uh, he's going to have to go to the combine and and the and uh, these meetings and really sell teams about what happened this past season. That's all I got to say. Interesting. Uh, Neil, you've heard any uh, words on uh, our man there, Najimba? Not to that point, but okay. uh, I also haven't really uh, broached that topic with anybody yet either, though. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, the interesting thing is, is that you, you couple that together with the fact that the kid has had a little bit of, of an issue staying healthy consistently. Mm -hmm. you know, that's that's, that's going to raise a lot of red flags. So, yeah, the, uh, you know, combine week is going to be huge for this kid, answering some questions. And, uh, you know, being honest and upfront, like we have you know, talked about before with some of these players that, you know, they, they've had red flags, you know, pop up during the season. You know, it's it, it's time to, uh, you know, bring down those red flags and answer the questions and eliminate the concerns. All right. Let's get back to the skill positions, Neil. Uh, you liked what you saw out of Kenny uh, McIntosh, the running back. Uh, take it away. Yeah, the other uh, tailback on the American team I like. Out of, out of all the tailbacks, there's three that really stood out as potential third, uh, you know, three down guys. You know, we already talked about Ty J. Spears, Kenny McIntosh, Chase Brown, or those three guys. Kenny McIntosh, I mean, you know, we've, we've seen plenty of Georgia on the big screen on the national stage in the past couple of years. We've seen plenty of what Kenny McIntosh can do. Came in at just under six foot, 210 pounds, great size. Uh, you know, length numbers, he's got nine on the hands, uh, just over 30 and a half on the arms. So, you know, in, in terms of the measurables, I think he was probably the best looking kid out there, save for the kid from uh, Appalachian State that didn't have as good of a week. But, you know, he's, like I said, great size. He uh, runs the ball with plenty of power and aggression. Um, and just like, you know, Tajay this week made plays out of the backfield, made plays in the passing game and showed up really well in that one-on-one -on -one you know, running back linebacker drill that we saw Ty J excel at. I could say that maybe Kenny McIntosh did a little bit better of a job, was more consistent, keeping the uh, keeping linebackers off the ball and uh, just sticking his nose in there and being stout in terms of, of pass pro. And that's that's what I'm looking for. If, if we get to the point to where we're going to have to give up on David Montgomery as being a part of this offense, I want to see somebody come in being a third down guy, somebody that could be dyna a dynamic playmaker in, in all three facets of the game. 
you know, it's, it's tough to, to say, you know, pass pro is, is a part of dynamic playmaking. But to be honest with you, we can keep Justin Fields off the ground and, you know, bones unbroken and, and you know, off of the IR and out of the training room. Then uh, that's definitely a, a necessary part of the running back game. So I really like what Kenny McIntosh showed on, on film throughout his career, what he did this week in practice. I think he was very solid and uh, definitely a prospect for us. Yeah, I think it was Dan Aguirre on last night's Bear Their Souls show was saying that, you know, uh, the, our Chicago Bears number one rushing team in the NFL, but t- relying too much on Justin Fields' legs, and we really need to uh, get these running backs to handle the brunt of the running and so we can save our quarterback. Danny, what are your thoughts on McIntosh? Yeah, for me, McIntosh is a third down back, a guy who's who's good out of the backfield in terms of passing, uh, catching passes, a guy that gives you some speed on, speed element uh, at the running back position. Uh, but in terms of a guy that's going to be, you know, count on, if you if your starter goes down, he's your, he's your starter. I don't think he's a guy that can be successful running in between the tackles. Uh, he's more of an outside guy. Uh, I don't like the way he runs. He runs a little bit upright. He's, he's a guy, you know, for, for 210 pounds, six feet. I know he's got decent size, but I like to have him lower his, his pad level and take on contact. But he tends to run out of bounds a lot. But again, if, if you're talking about him being like a third, you know, back in, instead of like a trusted Ebner, uh, I think McIntosh gives you that ability as, as a pass catcher and brings that added dimension out of the backfield. Uh, but in terms of being a guy that, that you can count on to be a starter after your, uh, your if, if your starter goes down, uh, I have some 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 questions in terms of McIntosh at that point, but definitely a guy that's talented, got speed, great hands. Uh, again, could be a weapon coming out of the backfield for you. During that marathon recording session that I had with Greg Gabriel, uh, he said you can get five scouts in a room and you're probably going to walk away with five different opinions on the same tape that they saw. That is the nature of the business. All right, Danny, let's Mm -hmm. stick with the defensive tackles. You gave us Dante Stills. Let's talk about Deshaun Johnson, the defensive tackle out of Toledo. All right, yeah. So, so Dejuan Johnson or Dejan Johnson, I believe that's how he pronounces it, is is a kid that out of Toledo. I had no, I, I've not, I hadn't seen him. So I, I came in, came back after watching him at the East West Shrine game and put on a tape at first Ohio State, and obviously going up against Ohio State, you know, he's he's outmanned there. But what I like about him is again another kid that has the ability, the quickness off the snap to be able to get into those gaps, pierce into the backfield. And, and bring the running back down for a loss. And the one thing you, you put on his tape, you see effort, effort, and effort. And he's a guy that, that will not – his mortar runs hot. And, that, again, we're talking about the hits principle here that Matt Eberflus preaches. He wants guys that are lean, athletic, strong, and, and guys that, that will, will they'll pursue – you know, backside, pursue downfield, and I think Deshaun Johnson gives you that. And what he did at the East-West Shrine practices was just show his ability to be able to get into the backfield and create havoc in terms of on a run defense. He was aggressive in terms of his run fits, um, made, made himself as, as a presence there in, in between the, the, the guard and the, and the center. Um, in, in terms of the pass rush, you know, he, he's not there yet in terms of a fully developed repertoire, but definitely a guy that, that uses you know, the ability to be able to kind of, you know, use that speed to power get into the offensive lineman and kind of walk him back into the backfield. So he's a, definitely a guy, again, we're talking about guys in, in day three here that you can bring in and develop and continue to grow. But what I want to see is I want to see that twitch ability and the ability to get into the backfield and make a difference and, and make plays there. And it, whether it's a passing game or versus the run defense, I want him to see him be effective. And, I, and that's what he showed this past week at the East West Shrine practices. I'll tell you, uh, Neil, this 
that kid really loves to body slam ball carriers on the ground. You see that highlight reel? I mean, he's grabbing them by the waist and he's throwing them down like he's uh, a member of the World Wrestling Federation. He's he's quite the name. Uh, WWE, let's, uh, he's got a future. WWE. I can't follow. What is it? WWE? WWE? I don't know. But uh, I'm never WWE. been a big wrestling. I've never been a big hey, wrestling if you, fan. If you got some extra scratch kicking around, go ahead and invest in WWE before uh, this thing really off. There you go. All but right. Just to, uh, the point to kind of just emphasize the point of him being able to get into the backfield. He had 45 and a half career tackle for loss at, at Toledo. So wow. he's a guy that found you know, obviously, you know, the, the level of competition is not a part, you know, he's not a, you know, not playing it in SEC or anything like that, but that's definitely that's production there, being able to get into the backfield and, and like I said, making a presence, his presence felt. For sure. All right. Love let's stay daddies. with, say again. Love the Matt Daddies. Yeah. It's a weak match in Matt Daddies. Indeed. Let's stay at the defensive tackle position, Neil, and talk to me about Keanu Benton from Wisconsin. Yeah, Keanu Benton was a, a kid that I had previewed on the show a couple of weeks back. I can go back to my notes on that just real quick here. Keanu Benton. Yeah, I'll just say, uh, be, while you look for yeah, your notes, ben I'll just say this. The, the kid was super at the at, at the senior bowl practices. A lot of people talking about him. So he's a, he's a riser. Absolutely. And that was, that was a kid that, uh, you know, you're, you talk about the kid's background a little bit, you know, he had, he ended the season on an absolute tear for Wisconsin, uh, ended up accumulating 36 tackles, 10 for loss, four and a half sacks was third team, all big 10. Um, he was the kid that, you know, coming out of high school was debating on whether or not he wants to continue playing the sport that he loved. He wasn't getting the looks, he wasn't getting phone calls, he wasn't getting the offers, all certain types of things. And his wrestling coach, with the help of his wrestling coach, got on Wisconsin's radar. And, uh, you know, he's all about run defense, he's all about strength. I was really looking forward to seeing the one-on-one to see what he could do. throw. And that kid absolutely blew me. You know, he's, he's just, you know, his hands, uh, his ability to execute pass rush moves, he's quick, he's violent. You know, there's a few times I, I thought we're going to have to send some of these offensive linemen into the training rooms to treat their arms with the way that he was, you know, moving out of the way. Um, you know, and, you know, against just uh, violent, violent hands. Um, was very impressive. Uh, agility, in the, the power aspect of what he's able to do. Uh, very impressive kid, six, three and a half, 312 pounds is what he weighed in. Um, and, you know, 33 Samples almost 30 French arms. So he's able to, you know, create that separation, big reach. And, but, you know, his, his thing, you know, going into this week was big time run stopper, uh, violent, strong hands. And he absolutely showed that. And then some this past week in uh, Mobile. Danny, I, I, I'm pretty sure you like this kid too, right? Yep. He's, he's a, he's a kid that I've, I've talked about. He's a kid I've, I've, I've previewed. And I said, you know, he's at Wisconsin and Neil's right. He is a, run stuffer he's a guy that will you know play that that odd man front you know he takes on blockers two gapping he was a guy who was immovable immovable in terms of in, in the middle of the defensive line and he was known more for that that effort in terms of you know being able that that defensive force in terms of the run defense and i thought maybe he could play a one technique in this in this system so that's why i really liked him and previewed him however what he showed me down at, at, at mobile and, and watching him play is you know he came at six six four three twelve with you know 33 six eighths in terms of arm length but uh he showed me some quickness and he showed me an ability to to Pierce that backfield again. We talked, you know, talked about his his hand strength. He's got 
strong as man hands. And he, he and when he knocks the offensive lineman, he knocks the head back. You see that power and that and that, that strength there. And you can just right there, you shock the offensive lineman and you just walks him back into the into the um, into the lap of the quarterback. But you know what I saw here was I saw the ability to go ahead and, and do a swim move and get into the gap and get up field uh, things that I didn't see at Wisconsin consistently on tape. So, you know, maybe he's showing a, a different aspect of his game. Now that he's out of the college ranks and now kind of putting it all together here at the pro ranks. But definitely, I think he's a kid that really kind of opened up a lot of eyes in, in mobile. And, and right now, I mean, he went from a run stuffing, you know, fourth round pick to probably a second round pick now. Uh, and if he continues again, continues this trajectory in terms of, you know, showing off some more of his skill set that we hadn't seen on tape at, at you know at the combine and, and obviously it blows him away. Um, you know, with interviews, he's gonna he's gonna go higher up. And and the one thing Neil mentioned, he's a wrestler. And one thing about wrestlers and what whatever I look at offensive line or defensive line is if you're have a wrestling background, I, that that piques my interest because they would they know how to use their hands to gain leverage. You know, it's all about leverage, maintaining leverage and, and I think that's what's something that's gonna benefit him as he moves on to the next level. So yeah, Keanu Benton a guy that I thought was going to be maybe a run stuffing, you know, uh, you know uh, defensive tackle now has the potential to be a, a guy that could, could slide into either the one or a three technique at the next level. Yeah. I'm so excited about the crop of defensive tackles in this draft. I mean, if we don't get our guy Jalen Carter, which some people I know aren't super high on, but there seems to be a lot of uh, – uh, other alternatives if we go somewhere else with our first round draft pick. All right, I want to stay at that defensive tackle position and let's talk about Moro Ojoma, the defensive tackle from Texas that you saw out in Vegas, Danny. And uh, why don't you take it away? Yeah, Moro Ojoma is another guy that, that I previewed, you know, uh, in terms of before I went down to Vegas. And I just want to see what I saw on tape. You know, what I saw on tape was a guy that stat wise didn't jump out on you. Uh, but if you put on his tape, right, you, you see a guy that 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 was a force in the middle of, of the defensive line, a guy that that was a I, I saw him as more of like a one technique, a guy that could, that can maintain his ground and help you run defense. Uh, but what he did down in in, uh, in in Vegas was, you know, he showed his ability, again, to maintain his ground in, in terms of run defense, you know, could be a one technique, but then also showed an ability to get into the backfield. Now, he's a guy that's got to got to work on his on his pass rush game. We talked about Benton here showing off some of the pass rush skills that we didn't see on as a Wisconsin tape. I think I think Morrow's got to work on that uh, in terms of getting better there. However, he came in at 6'2", 293 with 34 plus inch arm length, and and I think offensive the uh, the scouts there love the the measurables that he came in at. Uh, you know, is he going to be a one technique? Probably. Is he going to be a three technique? We'll wait we'll to see. He has to prove that he can be able to pierce and get into the backfield on, on a more uh, consistent basis. Again, work on that pass rush repertoire. But but Moro Ojimo from Texas is a kid. Again, stat-wise, he's not going to impress you, but you put on his tape, you see the run defense, you see the ability to hustle to the football. Um, and I think he's a guy that's going to come in and provide depth for every team that drafts him and eventually could turn into a nice, solid starter. Neil, uh, this guy created news down in Texas. I think it was back in November where he took some of his teammates to task because he didn't think that they were working hard enough. And I've isolated a 40-second soundbite when he addressed that issue. They have to somehow see the 24-year-old, 25-year-old um, maybe signing their second contract in the NFL for like $50 million mm -hmm. as opposed to seeing the 20-year-old them making 40k off of nil and sleeping with women and like drinking and like all that you know yeah. what i'm saying as opposed to 
you got $50 million. Now you live in Spanish Oaks, you live in the Westlake, you know what I'm saying? Traveling when you want, you got the Rolls Royce outside. Like, that's the life they have to see. And they have to understand that it just doesn't happen on autopilot. Isn't that great, Neil? I mean, he's talking our language. Invest in yourself for the long term and don't go on autopilot. He sounds like a motivational speaker. Character, culture, very clairvoyant for a kid that is, I don't know, how old is he right now? 22 years old. Yeah. That's, uh, that, 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 is, that is some grown-ass man stuff right there, what he's just talking go. about. I mean, and, you know, he's right. You know, when, when you're thinking about all, all these kids that were at these uh, that were at these um, uh, All-Star games this week, that's the kind of attitude you have to have going into this. You have to be a grown-up. You have to treat this as a job interview. You have to look at this as, as the next, you know, 15, 20 years of your life in some cases, you know, and, you know, the kind of things that, that he's talking about and then the soundbite right there, that's, man, that's, that's real grown man type stuff. Mm -hmm. Indeed. All right. Let's stay on the defensive line. The kid out of Iowa state, Will McDonald, the fourth Neil, I know you like this guy. Danny likes this guy. I tell love this us, guy. Yeah. I, like, I love, this guy. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, Neil, tell us why you like or love him. Oh, hey, I'm right there with you. It's a good adjective. Love is a good adjective to describe how I feel about Will McDonald. Uh, didn't really know too much about the kid going in outside of the fact that, you know, he's a terror on the edge. But actually being able to look at, watch this kid go at it in the one-on-one -on -one pass rush drills was a lot of, to be honest with you, he was, was the one I, I probably enjoyed the most outside of, of uh, the interior guys. You know, the guys rushing the edge. You know, we have a serious issue right now in Chicago of being able to get after the opposing quarterback's ass. And, uh, you know, Will McDonald is, is a kid that, uh, based on what he did in, in Mobile, need to watch more of, of the game tape on him to get a really good feel. But based on what he did in Mobile, he's a guy that could do that for us. Came in on Sunday at 6'3 half, 241 pounds. Long, long 35-inch reach. But what he's able to do on the edge in terms of getting offensive tackles off balance, actually having some power about him, but really his game is quickness, explosion, uh, energy, motor. Those are the types of things that allows him to win more often than not. He was able to uh, really win consistently you know, down there this week against some, uh, some bigger, stronger guys. Again, 241 pounds, you know, he's got a little ways to go, I think, to where – this uh, strength staff, this, the coaching staff will probably want him to be, but you also don't want him to lose too much of that athletic ability that makes him so dynamic as a pass rusher. But, yeah, he was a lot of fun to watch, man. Uh, probably the only edge rusher down there that, uh, that really elevated himself, I believe. Danny, when I um, when I met him uh, down in Mobile, you know, they have the little uh, desk set up for the feature interviews and stuff. So I, I was by the desk because I, I know, Danny, how high you were on him. So I didn't want to miss the interview with him. So I'm waiting for him to arrive. And he shows up and I was, wow, this guy is thin looking. And I looked at the sheet, 240 pounds. He, I mean, he was wearing a baggy sheet, uh, shirt and, and pants. So I couldn't really tell his physique. And, but when I saw him out on the football field, he reminded me a bit of Leonard Floyd in terms of body type. Uh, Floyd was taller and stuff. But tell me why you love uh, this young man, Will McDonald. Well, Le Leonard, first of all, he is thin. He's 241. And that's the reason why he might go second, you know, day two. If he's, if he's 261 or 251, he's going top 15 in this draft. I mean, you talk about production, you talk about the ability to bend the edge, you talk about a first quick, you know, uh, 
first quick step off the off the line of scrimmage, quickness into the backfield, you know, the ability to bend that edge, bend that corner, you know, get perpendicular with the ground. That's what you see with these premier pass rushers, the ankle flexion, the hip flexibility, uh, the production. And this guy was was always, you know, out there. And what surprised me was that he stayed for a fifth year at, at, at Iowa State. Um, and that, that was really shocking to me. But you talk about in, in terms of him and Leonard Floyd, their athletic builds. But Leonard Floyd was an off the ball linebacker, sometimes being used as a pass rusher. This kid is a pass rusher. This kid is going to get after your quarterback. Like I said, the only thing with him is this is, is his size. It's 241. And then when we were previewing him, and there's this guy that I was, I was talking about, uh, Neil, I talked about, remember Harold Landry coming out of, off, out of BC? A guy that was a yes, demon off, off the edge, you know, went to t- Tennessee in the first round and, and was productive in terms of creating sacks, but a bunch of got hurt. But he's a guy similar in terms of ability to get into the backfield. This is the kind of pass rusher you're looking for in his defense. This is the kind of speed off the edge. But again, what concerns me is that size and does he hold up in terms of his ability as a run defender? Now, to his credit, he went down to Mobile, the one-on-ones, the offensive line versus, you know, uh, defensive line, you know, the run drills, you know, he held his own. Uh, there were times he was washed out, but, you know, there's a bigger body going at him. So, but he's got to know how to use his size, his, his strength, uh, his quickness, and his arm length to be able to kind of, you know, either avoid these blockers or stack and shed them and get off of them. to get off these blocks and be able to be a, a, a somewhat reasonable, uh, you know, run defender. Because if he's not, then he's going to be utilized strictly as a pass rush specialist. So, so say the Bears you know, miss out on, on, on the top guys over this, you know, Tyree Wilson or, 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 uh, or the kid from Alabama, Will Anderson, you know, this is, this is the next guy in line in terms of an edge guy that can come in and, and be a, a pass rusher. And if he falls in that second round, that's going to be a key hit there for, for Ryan Poles and, and, and Matt Eberflus. I'm telling you guys, this is the type of pass rusher you want. The only thing is this weight. If he was bigger, this kid's going top 10, top 15 in the draft in the first round. Wow. But the two is, is that he's got that kind of frame and they'll be easy to put on whatever they need to put on to get to, get to Terry Lake. I mean, in theory, mm-hmm. you know, he's got that kind of frame that will allow him to put an extra 10, 15, 20 pounds on, probably pretty easily, too. You know, so I, I look at that as, as not really as much of a detriment as, as much as an opportunity. Yeah. Good way to put it. Danny, uh, let's go to the offensive center position. There is a gentleman by the name of Juice Spriggs that I know you want to talk to us about. Yeah, Juice Spriggs is a, the center from uh, from Penn State. And uh, he's a kid that when I was watching the the, the, the practices there, again, just just you looked at him. I'm, I'm looking at centers because, guys, I, I've been saying it for I don't know how many weeks now. Center is a position of need for the Bears. I know some people believe in the veteran they got from Green Bay. I'm still, you know, holding my breath there. So, and obviously, I, I think we've seen the experiment there with with Mustafer. I think we, you know, we're, we agree he's a, he's a good kid, prior backup, not a starting center. So I, I'm looking for centers here. And and Juice Briggs uh, stuck out to me because of the the fact of of his uh, his movement skills, his bend, his flexibility. You saw him he could easily flip his hips into the gap and seal off that that the defensive lineman. Uh, lateral agility, the guy can block moving east and west. And that's what I'm looking for in terms of this offensive scheme. You know, the center's got to be able to not only just chip at the offensive line or chip at the, def- at the line of scrimmage, help his guard, but then release to the next level and reach his second level blocker, whether it's a linebacker or, or a safety or whatnot. So I think that's what some of the things that you see with, with Juice Briggs. Now, I, I know he's got a, a huge medical red flag. I, I believe he had an issue with his back. I heard some reports of it was a broken back or something like that, where, where he came back and he, and he played. So and obviously that's going to be a medical red flag, but this is a guy you're looking at day three 
bring in as possibly a guy that can help develop and get, you know, get stronger and develop into a starting center for you. Uh, in terms of, you know, feistiness, you saw that in, in, at the practices. Um, you know, he's 6'3", 308, so he's got good size, 33-plus inch arm length. Um, you know, so he's got the measurables you're looking for and the athletic ability that, that I saw firsthand. So I think Juice Briggs is a, is a kid to keep in mind if you're looking at day three, bringing in a potential center for further down the road there. He is that athletic center that this team needs. And I'll tell you another athletic center uh, that I fell in love with, Don Immobile, and Neil's going to talk to us about now. It's John Michael Schmitz. What a specimen of an athlete and attitude. I love the guy. Neil, what do you think? Attitude was exactly the word that I wrote down to describe John Michael Schmitz. And, you know, you, you look you look at this kid from a from a physical standpoint, you know, six three and a half, three oh six, nine oh five his hands, thirty two, six, eight arms, you know, nothing really, you know, screams at you, jumps out at you, blows you away out, out of the water. You watch this kid battle one on one with with these uh, big dudes inside. Stronger dudes maybe, you know, larger dudes maybe, but he he more than held his own. Just uh, a, a mean, nasty you know, demeanor type of kid who I think sort of uh, in a lot of ways cemented himself as the uh, easily the best, you know, center prospect in America going into this draft. It just, it's just all demeanor with this kid. With the way that he performed at practice, one-to-one-on-one -on -one battles, the, 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 the strength that he operated with, his ability to anchor, um, just, just brute, you know, strength and power that he was able to, to win with this week. Um, and, and, you know, on, on top of that, you know, we talk about guys that have, like, you know, a ton of leadership characteristics and qualities, mm. uh, you know, culture and character um, has started uh, 50 games at Minnesota over the course of his four-year career, you know, so a, a ton of play history. And this kid is very well-seasoned and he, he's got the perfect demeanor to, to uh, you know, get the job done here in Chicago. I love the young man. I'll tell you what, um, after one of the practice sessions where I was focused, I got really cool video of him just knocking people on their, on their asses and then, you know, running downfield and cheering his teammates on. I said, I got to get an interview with this guy. Well, we were not allowed past the 30 yard line. And a lot of the premier athletes or guys who had really good practices and didn't feel like talking to the media, they hung out past the 30 outside of our reach. And so I, I'm just, I'm waiting for you, man. I'm, I'm waiting for you. Finally, he gets over to me and I ask him this. Yeah. I've seen okay. you push guys around today in practice. It was pretty incredible. It seems like you play with a lot of hostility. Is yeah. that fair to say? I mean, yeah. I mean, I love this game and uh, I love uh, the fiscalness. I love, I love uh, uh, finishing the play. And that's, the, that's what we do at the University of Minnesota. And that's what translated over here. So. Yeah. Good luck to you in the okay. NFL. Thank you. Yeah, he is a he is definitely a byproduct of Coach Fleck in that Minnesota program. I mean, he really bought into what that coach teaches and the motivational style uh, that he reaches into for his players. He's he's a super player. I'd love to see him in Chicago, and that Juice Briggs, uh, Danny. He's a, he's another guy. But I know uh, Danny is. You wanted to say a couple things on Schmitz, right? Yeah, in terms of all the positives you guys talked about, you know, the, the size, the the ability to to uh, offset a, a bull rush, you know, the leadership, you know, the 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 finishing thing, but you know, there are some concerns for me in terms of his lateral agility, in terms of lateral quickness. A lot of times, he the guys were blowing right by him, he just wasn't able to move his feet. 
Uh, and I've also talked about this system, guys. It's, it's not about brute strength up front center. It's about being able to move and block laterally, uh, maintaining your blocks, and also then getting to the next level and getting to that second level linebacker or defensive, uh, you know, defensive player. So the one thing I'm, I'm going to I'm hold off my, my, my in terms of my overall evaluation about Schmitz until I dig more into his Minnesota tape because I want to see him at that next level. Can he get to a linebacker? Can he maintain when he gets to a linebacker? Can he maintain his blocks? Uh, you know, is, how is he moving east and west? Because when I saw what I saw him in, in terms of the um, at the practices, you know, when you're, when people are coming at him, yeah, he can he can stop him. He can he can you know stop him in their tracks. But when these when he saw some quickness going at him, uh, he, he didn't have the little agility to be able to get in front of that guy and, and, and be able to maintain his block. So those are some concerns I do have about this kid. He just might not be a he might not be a scheme fit perfectly in, in the system. So I'm just going to reserve my judgment, and do some more more research on on Schmitz, and then once I finally get into the centers. Then I'll have my scouting report uh, for you on, on him and my overall grade. Sounds good. All right. Uh, why don't we stay at Minnesota, Danny, and uh, talk to us about uh, who is this guy uh, on the defensive Terrell side Smith. of the line? Terrell, Terrell Smith. Smith. He's a corner. Uh, he's, he's a good-sized corner, a fifth-year senior. Uh, you know, came in at 6'1", 207 pounds, 32-plus-inch uh, arm length. And he's a guy – obviously, I didn't go down there looking for corners. Uh, or, you know, just, but this guy just stuck, stuck out to me because, you know, he was taking on, you know, whether it was A.T. Perry or some, some other some other receiver, and he was taking him on. He was going, you know, downfield, step for step, staying in phase with them. Uh, and, and he had some physicality to him as well within the practice. So, I, you know, a, a corner with size and physicality, you're playing a, you're playing a, a zone scheme here, a cover, cover two, if you will, cover three. You know, you want corners that with some size to be able to kind of plant and come downhill with, with some aggression and be able to tackle and wrap up. And I think this is uh, a kid, if, if you're going, to, again, looking for some depth behind the starters, you know, we know Jalen Johnson's come up on a contract. Uh, you know, Kyle Gordon uh, off of an up-and-down rookie campaign, too early to call him a boss or anything like that. But I'm just saying, if you're looking for some corner, you're going to use corners, right? You, you, you can never have a, not enough cornerbacks. So I think this is a guy that caught my eye, competitive, feisty, good-sized corner. I think will be a nice fit in this scheme, be able to come down and wrap up. Terrell Smith, uh, a, a fifth-year senior out of Minnesota, was a, was a guy at the East-West Shrine game that stood out for me. Um Neil, let's stay with the corners here, and uh, why don't you talk to me about Darius Rush? Uh, probably the—I think he was the fastest guy via GPS at at uh, at Mobiles. Uh, what do you got on him? Yeah, he was. He clocked in at uh, twenty-one point six five miles per hour, which is absolutely tooling. That's not the only thing that's impressive. He also had a. a uh, um, max deceleration of 505. So how quickly can you come to a stop and change direction? Um, wow. You know, his uh, his length and his size compared with, you know, the kind of speed that he exhibited down in Mobile is absolutely impressive. You know, you're talking about a guy that came in at 6'1 six, six, and 5'8", uh, 196 pounds, uh, 32 and 6'8 arms. This dude was an absolute, uh, you know, piece of Velcro all week on these receivers. At, at points, was actually running routes better than the receivers themselves. His ability to read what the receiver was doing, anticipate the next move, anticipate where he was going to go. Uh, you know, it, he he was a very impressive player. Definitely rose up the rose up the uh, the board for me in terms of where I had guys originally slotted going into the week, um, and that was of course without actually watching a, uh, a a good amount of game film in depth on a lot of these guys, especially at the secondary position, a position group that I haven't necessarily gotten to yet. But, uh, you know, very impressive kid. And, again, with that kind of size and speed, 
that he's basically a prototype for what college coaches are looking at coming out of high school, developing them into corners, and now what is now filtering up into the NFL to deal with these long, tall, explosive, speedy receivers that the that uh, young coaches are having to figure out a way to, to cover and deal with on a uh, you know weekly basis. You like this kid, Danny? I do. I do. And and this kid, what, what he was doing in, in, in Mobile, well, he's showing some cover skills. I mean, he was there are times where he was running the route for the receiver. And he, you saw him jumping routes. You saw him just being able to, to get back in phase, but also peek back and, and look into the backfield and look at the quarterback. So, you know, that, that is some impressive stuff, especially for, for a kid that, that's an all-star game trying to impress. You know, it looks like the the, the mm-hmm. big stage wasn't wasn't anything that, that daunted him. So, you know, he took some ch- – he got burned a couple times. But he's a guy that that will take chances, and I just I just like the fact that he was you know in phase and again jumping his his ball skills are evident. And you see there right there on, on his highlight film. Uh, this is a guy that will make interceptions, he'll jump routes, and he has no fear. And you want that in cornerbacks. Um, you know, obviously they're gonna get burned once in a while, so he'll he'll learn from those. But uh, definitely a guy that impressed me in terms of you know what he was doing there in terms of the coverage. So while we're on this player of the week. Yeah, that's right. So while we're on the topic of cornerbacks, you know, as we know, uh, Ryan Post listed that as one of his premium positions that he wants to uh, focus in on on this offseason. So somehow, some way, I mean, unless he's bluffing uh, for the sake of other general managers, somehow, some way, he's probably going to acquire another cornerback. How would you see? Because there are some promising young corners on this team so uh, how would you see the acquisition of another corner are, are we probably talking mid day three late day three as, as somebody to, to plug in or do you think they could we could possibly see one early day three or uh or on day two what do you think neil i think with the amount of picks that polls has a the opportunity to pick up in this draft with the multiple moves that he can make we could easily see polls go ahead and take one on day two is that uh, probable? I don't know, but uh, I think day three is, is an absolute possibility in terms of when he is definitely going to go ahead and take a corner early day three. I think you're probably going to be able to find some good quality uh, 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 talent at that point in the draft to uh, help bolster up that, that cornerback room. And as we've seen this past year, guys, with uh, as banged up as our, our second guy, both at the safety and corner position, we got to look at both of those because we are not very deep at all. And those are also positions we could potentially, uh, you know, address in, in, you know, free agent periods as well. But uh, there's a good amount of talent in this draft. There's a good amount of talent at both the corner and safety positions so we can mobile to where I feel like if, if you don't get a primo guy in, in on day two, you're definitely going to be able, be able to find some guys to come in and at least provide depth, you know, early day three and, you know, add really add to uh, you know, what we're doing in the secondary uh, here in Chicago. What do you think, Danny? Yeah, for me, I I think specifically he he didn't mention corner, but I think specifically he's going to go after a a, a nickel corner, and I think uh, free agency is going to be the the way he's going to attack it initially. And I think one name to keep an eye on is is Chauncey Gardner Johnson, the kid from from Philly. Of course, he's popular here from when he was with the Saints and and, and got uh, both Anthony Miller and and, and Javon Wims into into fights. So he he's got a guy. He he played nickel. He plays nickel for the Eagles, and he's a guy that that led or tied for the lead uh, league lead in interceptions this year with six. Obviously, Ian Cunningham was with Philadelphia, um, but uh, that was that was after he had they, they acquired him this this past season in, in a trade. So he's a, he was with the Saints. So that, that that there's no connection there. But I think he's gonna try and attack that that position because remember the nickel corner is is basically a starter for this defense. And I mm-hmm. think you've got your your offside guys with with uh, with Jalen Johnson and Kyle Gordon. You hope. 
Um, and I think now if you, in terms of the outside guys, you bring guys in, in depth, I mean, depth guys, right? You can guys, maybe if you're going to go for a corner in a draft, again, depending on what you do, trade down, down on multiple picks, I can see them using a pick on a, on a corner on day three. But I think for that, for that starting uh, nickel spot, I, I think they're going to go after him in free agency. And I think the name to keep an eye on is, is this Chauncey Garner-Johnson from, from Philadelphia. I think he's a guy that they could, could go after and, and try and sign here with, with, with the Bears. So, um, you know, I think he's, he's in that 27, 28 range, if I'm not mistaken. So, or maybe even younger than that, I think. Uh, but he's a, he's a kid that, that's, that's talented. Obviously, we see he's an instigator. Toughness brings that cocky attitude to, to a defense. So I think you would love to have that infused here on this, on this young defensive, uh, defensive secondary for, for the Bears. So, but in terms of this, this kid here, Rush, I think, you know, he's 196. But he showed the lateral quickness and agility in the week of practice where I think he could play some nickel corner eventually if, if you if you were to draft a kid like that. So, you know, keep in mind, keep that in mind as well. But uh, and also we saw them then put Kyle Gordon inside at, at, uh, at nickel. And I think he that, that was a, a detriment to him because I think that's where he lost his confidence. I think he belongs in the outside. Like I said, when they did drafted him, um, so you know we'll see how that goes. But I think initially they're going to go after a veteran. If they don't, uh, you know, get it, get him signed through free agency, then they're going to go and maybe get one in the in, in the draft. But it's got to be a, a slot nickel nickel corner. Sounds good, uh, Danny. I think we're you're up now. Um, you got you got. Uh, what about uh, let's go to because uh, I think we've got all your Shrine Ball players out of the way according to my list here. So why don't you talk to us about a guy who wasn't on Neo's list and one of my favorites down there, at least from a human standpoint, uh, Yaya Diaby, the edge player out of Louisville. I got to meet him, got to interview him. Uh, and just a personal story, when uh, he talked to me about his, he wants to be a NFL uh, uh, player so badly, but primarily so he could take care of his mom. And he started talking about his mom. I, I got choked up a little bit. And then when I told him that after the interview, he puts his arm around me and what a great guy. He's very sorry he went through that. And so um, he's, he's a good person. Is he a good player, Danny? Tell us. I like him. I like him a lot. And Yaya Diaby is, is a guy that, that I heard about, but I hadn't watched him. Then I finally put his tape on. And and the one thing that, that explodes off the tape for me is his run defense, his ability to be, to be a, a solid run defender, set that hard edge. Uh, and, and that was a shocker because I, you know, I expected this kid to, to be just you know, flying off the edge. You know, all these college pass rushers, you want, you know, they, they think in sacks first before they even think run defense. But with Diaby, you know, he's, he's a run defender. You saw it on the one-on-ones at, at, at the practices down in Mobile in terms of him and the offensive lineman. His, you know, he's got those 34-inch arms. You see him do that pole position where he kind of holds the offensive lineman with one arm to his side and he, and he maintains his his gap integrity there in terms of run defense. Um, you know, last year, you know, nine sacks, 14 tackles for loss. Um, this kid's body, his frame is just chiseled. You know, he's 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 a he's a tailor-made defensive end in, in this system. And I think if you get this kid, you know, day two, whether second or third round, he, he, he's a potential starter for you. And I, that that's how much I like this kid. But you know, in terms of developing as a pass rusher, yeah, he's got some ways to go. He's not there yet, but you know, he showed tremendous promise. You can see him turn, you know, speed to power there. Uh, again, using his long arms to play long with 34 plus inch arms. He's a guy that, that you know keeps the offensive lineman off his frame and gets you know gets back into that backfield, makes plays. So again, run defense starts off as what you know shocks me in terms of his tape and what he did in Mobile, but then also the potential he shows as a pass rusher. He's he's a four three defensive end all day. Danny, he reminded me a little bit uh, of O'Shane Zimenez, who we talked to at the Shrine Bowl uh, uh, three, four years ago. And, and more in his 
play and not in his body. Uh, Diaby is is a bigger, more chiseled yeah. player than O'Shane Z- uh, Zimenez, who went on to pl- uh, to be drafted by the New York Giants. Uh, so, yeah. uh, just an aside. Hey, Jordan, how are you? O'Shane's more of a, a three-four outside linebacker. I think he's in that two forty, two fifty range, as opposed to Diaby, where he's he's a, he's a solid two sixty-four. Could easily be two seventy, two seventy-five by the time you know training camp starts if he wants to be. If you put some added muscle on, uh, but he, he's got like I said that chisel frame, the chisel, you know, the long arms. Uh, he's a, he's a def- hand on the ground defensive end. Uh, but what, but in terms of O'Shane though, Zimenez, he was a, a, a three-four outside linebacker, and that's why we were looking at him because they're running the the Vic Fangio three-four system back then. Neil, I have not uh, rehearsed the name uh, enough to try it here tonight on Draft on Tap, so I'll just let you introduce the defensive lineman out of Northwestern. <laughs> Adela Miwa Adebaware. Thank you. <laughs> you God go. bless hey, you. <laughs> go ahead, Danny. Give it a shot. <laughs> Adebaware. <laughs> Very close. Good enough. Yeah, you, right. you were in the ballpark. I'm saying <laughs> the Bears draft this kid. I'm, I'm in trouble. So I'm just going to call him double A. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Call him Tommy. I like double A. <laughs> call him Tommy. He'll be all right. There you go. <laughs> yeah, a double war ray. Uh, he was a kid that we previewed a couple weeks ago on, on the uh, preview show. A guy that on a uh, really bad team was a shining star. Uh, played on the edge. Uh, caused a lot of uh, havoc and uh, – and, uh, um, you know, disruption whenever he was rushing the pass from the edge, but also a guy that was flexed inside as well to be able to, you know, create some, uh, create some uh, uh, backfield disruption, pass rushing, um, great turnovers. I mean, all, all those different types of things that you look from a, a versatile guy um, didn't come in with the, the, the kind of size you might have expected him to come in. Now he's 6'1 and a half, 284, but his length measurables were outstanding. Uh, just under 11 inch hands at 1078. Uh, 34-inch arms, he will create the separation, a big 82-inch wingspan at uh, six one and a half. It makes a difference when you're talking about a guy that is probably going to be uh, a flex guy for some teams. I like him as an interior pass rusher for us, but the ability to go ahead and create separation with his arms, to be able to uh, you know get in the backfield, get his hands. Um, and this kid's game is nothing but strength, explosion, and power. And he does have a very well-developed pass rush arsenal. You know, he has a plan going into the way that he attacks. Um, he's tactical, and uh, he's kind of in the same way. If you think about a, if you think about an athlete when he when he's out on the edge, if he's even he's leaving that that kind of terminology. That's kind of how I feel with this kid. If he's able to at least be with with the guy that's blocking him, he's going to get to he's going to get to home base. All right. Um, you know, he was very impressive in one on ones. He really showed off that power. Really showed off that strength. And he, able, he was able to actually utilize a really good amount of uh, lateral agility while engaged, showing that he has that, that, that sort of like quick twitch, the tightly bombed explosion about him. And uh, he could create big plays. Uh, he's a really interesting kid. Loved what I watched by him all year. Uh, was really excited to see him in Mobile uh, this past week. And he really showed me some uh, beautiful things. Danny, um, he played a lot of 30 Tech. Uh, at when Northwestern was in their uh, nickel defense. So mm-hmm. he has seen some play there. Uh, what do you think about him when you've seen him? 
Yeah, my my thing was I, when I saw him first time on tape, I said this kid's gonna be an inside defensive tackle. I just didn't know his size. I didn't know his measurables. But like Neil said, six two is a little bit shorter, but it's fine. Six two is okay, but because he's got the thirty four inch arms and he showed the ability to be able to take on bigger bodies at, at Mobile in terms of his, his run defense. He's quick as heck off the snap, guys. Um, you know his ability to get penetration, get into the backfield tailor-made for this for this scheme so i think you know there's no questions now you know it's just a matter of in terms of where you're going to be able to pull a trigger on a kid like this you know so uh you know definitely a guy that, that i think fits his scheme like a glove um you know a three technique all, all day and you know that that measurement the height's not great but the the rest of it is pretty damn good and his tape is pretty damn good as well so i think this is a guy that again you could bring if you get this guy in day three poof, that, that that's a steal for me uh because you can plug and play him right away at, at probably at, at defensive tackle so uh we'll come and give you depth not, not i'm saying he's gonna be a starter day one but a guy who can develop and become eventually a, a, a really good you know worst case scenario he's, he's a really good rotational player in, in your defensive line front great um, Danny, I'm going to stay with you here. Why don't you pick a player? Because I do want to end this show in about uh, 10 or 15 minutes. So I want to make sure you get in a player or two that you definitely want to share with our audience tonight. All right. So so the one the one receiver I talked about, I kind of teased it earlier in terms of receiver, I think could be a, you know, a Terry McLaurin. There's two, actually two I, I, that I like a lot here. And it could be a Terry McLaurin type guy that comes in. Not really, you know, uh, you know, highly touted, but then next I know he could have a really good uh, NFL career. The first one is, is Jaden Reed from Michigan State. Uh, you know, he's a kid that that was primarily a punt returner, special teams guy at Michigan State. You know, saw some 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 time on, on offense. Uh, he came in at five eleven, uh, I believe at uh, I, I think it was a two hundred some pounds. I, I want to say one ninety one. Two hundred one. One ninety one. 191. Okay. So he, but he's a kid that, that impressed me with his ability in terms of his ability to get off the line of scrimmage, get, you know, get a clean release and then just show that speed, that burst to be able to get downfield, you know, whether it's, whether it's in a slot or whether you, you know, you bubble screens, slip screens or whatnot, you know, he's a guy that you can even kick him to the outside and just have him run some goal routes. So, you know, he showed that burst, that speed, the, the, the acceleration that I had not seen, to be honest with you. And I, I, to be honest, I haven't even watched a lot of Michigan state football during the season, but just you know, just the ability to go up, attack the football, you know, be aggressive at, at, at the catch point. And, and along with that speed, I think this is a kid. We talked about some of that punt return ability, so I'll give you some, some added dimension there on special teams. Jaden Reed really helped himself down in Mobile. If he goes and runs anywhere near a 4-4 or even a 4-3, this kid, it's the sky's limit in terms of where he might go. He impressed people that much. Now, you know, obviously, the, the rest of the things we have to look in terms of the interviews and all that stuff has got to work out. But... Jaden Reed from Michigan State opened some eyes down in Mobile. He opened my eyes. I'm definitely going to – I have him pegged in terms of a guy that you can probably bring in here and give you some of that added playmaking ability because I think the Bears, what they're going to be looking for, they're going to be looking for guys that create separation as opposed to – so think more down on Mooney than, than, than a guy like a Claypool or something like that, a bigger body guy. So I think you know, th that's something that they're going to be you know looking for here as, as we go forward in terms of the draft and all that stuff. So the other receiver that I, I want to talk about is, is Michael Wilson from Stanford. Uh, a little bigger body, 6'2", 216. Uh, but what he showed me was he showed me a, some 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 quickness, some some twitch at the line of scrimmage to be able to again get off of a, a get away from a corner, create instant open you know, separation, I should say, from from the, from the defensive back. And then he showed the ability to make plays down a football field. You now there was one throw. It was it was like I think it was ruled out of bounds, but he made a hell of a throw in terms of contouring his body, adjusting to the poorly thrown football. 
and making a making a, a, a catch in the end zone again was ruled out of bounds. But just the ability to be able to go up there, track the football, and then make that play. Uh, Michael Wilson from Stanford is a kid also caught my eye as well. So these are two receivers, guys, to keep an eye on. They really impressed, you know, improved their stock down in Mobile and impressed a lot of scouts there. And I think these are two guys that to, to keep in mind in terms of potentially, you know, you know, day three there receivers for the Bears. Neil, why don't you pick a couple of players that you want to highlight for our followers? Well, just real quick on, on those guys. I think, you know, you, you mentioned about Jade Reed's speed. He's definitely going to be in the 4-4 conversation because he clocked just over 20 miles an hour on the uh, Zebra down there in Mobile. So he's definitely got some wheels. Same thing with uh, uh, Michael Wilson. Um, was just He was at 19-9, just under 20. But, again, as Danny pointed out, so quick at the line of scrimmage. He would create separation so easily. It was one of my top five favorite players to watch all week, to be honest with you. I loved watching him during one-on-ones. And as you heard uh, uh, Jay Kane say, the quarterback from uh, you know, Fresno State who got the you know, quarterback uh, player of the week. And, and again, all these, all these awards, guys, these are all determined by their peers, voted on by their peers. So, right. for instance, Jay Reed, who got the wide receiver player uh, practice player of the week, was determined by the cornerbacks and, and, and safeties that they went against throughout the entirety of practice, right? So, you know, Jay and Reed did uh, a monumental this week. But, again, Michael Wilson was my favorite receiver of the entire week. It was so much fun to watch. And we're talking about a kid that's going to have 4-4 speed. He's got this quickness at the line. He's going to rip up the, those agility drills at the combine at the end of the month. But he's also doing it with size, guys. He's got uh, – he's he came in at 6 one and 5 days, 216 pounds. And he's also got 31-inch arms and a pretty good wingspan. So um, he was the guy that uh, Jake Hayner loved to throw to all week. He was the guy that Hayner singled, uh, singled out when, you know, the, all the media guys asked, who's your favorite guy this week? Who, who are you targeting? Who do you love throwing to? Who do you have a, who do you have a connection with? And he, he pointed him out, Michael Wilson, without even really batting an eye. Um, he's losing because uh, not only did he connect with all those quarterbacks down this week, but those two seem to have a special connection. Now, granted, they also work out in, in the offseason right now, getting ready for the draft. But Michael Wilson, I think, is a guy that's going to come in and, and you know potentially be that one missing link out of the wide receiver room that's going to uh, be what we're looking for. In terms of other players that I really liked this week, I touched on uh, Chase last week, I touched on this week already. Uh, I think he's really interesting, a potential three-down back. I know some people don't really like his size, but I think that he has a lot of the things that we love in Montgomery. Uh, I see a lot of those things in him. He has good speed. He's got the toughness. He showed up really well in the one-on-one pass drills with the linebackers. And, uh, you know, he's a weapon out of the backfield as well. So I think that kid's really interesting. And if you listen to all the the interviews and, and the, the storylines and everything else that the NFL Network was putting out last week about the kid's background, you know, mom having troubles, the, the kids having to overcome adversity. They came in into the United States from Canada. Um, you, you, you're talking about kids that, you know, from a from a character standpoint, have everything you want. Um, a couple of offensive linemen that I think that could come in and help us right away. Uh, Darnell Wright, the right tackle from Tennessee, 6051, 342 pounds, big, strong, nasty, physical uh, guy that has really good lateral agility. And with a 3-4-1 ace arms, has great reach and uh, can re- really keep those edge rushers at bay. Did a really good job this week. Got beat a couple times. Has a short memory. Came back and battled. I loved his demeanor all week. Um, Osiris Torrance, the, uh, the left guard from Florida that came in at a monstrous, just under 6'5", 337 pounds with 11 and a quarter inch hands and just under 34 inch arms was an absolute brick wall all week. 
I loved uh, what he did during one-on-ones. Nobody can beat the guy. Nobody can get past him. And he pretty much manhandled everybody. As well as uh, McClendon Curtis, a, l- a little bit smaller of a brick wall. <laughs> if I, if I, had, uh, I mean, 331 pounds. But uh, just under 6'6", he's got uh, 10 and a quarter hands, 35-inch arms. Again, the guy's massive arm length is able to help these guys win and, and uh, you know control the, the line of scrimmage. He was stout, anchored well, another brick wall type of player. And then you know, the guy that I wish I could have seen more of, DeLon Jones, 6'8 and an eighth, 375 pounds, came in approximately 20 or so. Well, depending on what his actual playing weight was during the season, he came in uh, su- suspected about 20 pounds overweight, looked a little bit sloppy, but still moving incredibly well. You know, 11 and a half inch hands, 36 and five days, arms, just unbelievable length measurements. He has an 89 and a half inch wingspan, which I think somebody said during the coverage was the largest wingspan in the history of um, NFL scouting, uh, which is absolutely absurd. You know, the rumors are that uh, had he not injured his arm after practice one, that they were going to actually send him up into space and take down the China balloon. Just going to bear hug the damn thing, bring it back down to earth. <laughs> I wish we were able to see more of him actually, uh, you know, during practice, but uh, he had to, uh, you know, bow out of the day one. I was walking around the uh, sidelines with a sling the rest of practice, and that's entirely unfortunate. But those are some other players that really stood out to me. And I almost forgot about Payne Durham in terms of tight ends. A guy Ooh. that we could look at to bring in to, uh, you know, be another option next to Cole Komet, Payne Durham. Love to watch him play at Purdue over the course of his career. 6'5, 258. Um, moved really well, great in the passing game, physical in the blocking game, made some big plays during during the game and during the, the practice week. Uh, one uh, tight end practice player of the week for uh, for the national team. I think he's an impressive player. He could definitely be an option for us. Cliff uh, asked the question, any kickers, punters worth drafting? And uh, the punting, the punters at the Senior Bowl were pretty good. Uh, the, the kickers were okay, but I do like that kid. I'm forgetting his name. Uh, maybe uh, Neil, you remember? You got the sheet in front of you. The kid, the, the kicker from Maryland. Uh, I thought he played fairly well. Uh, first day of uh, of uh, uh, of the practices, he was booing them really, really well. And you hear that sound. You know that sound that the sound of those kickers make when they strike the ball. Yeah. That's what you want to hear. And he he had a nice booming sound. And the, the couple Chad of punchers. Chad Ryland, that's his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, uh, Danny, did you see any kickers or punters at the Shrine Bowl game that caught your attention? Oh, the, the, the kid from Michigan, which which came to be the MVP of the game. Uh, he, he was he was he was uh, the, the best player there offensively. But uh, I, I just want to come up real quick in terms of some of the players that, that Neil brought up, and I have a couple players I want to bring up as well in terms of counterpoint. But you know, Dewan Jones. I, I mean, I mean, I love his measurables, but the kid the kid is fat. I mean, he's straight out fat. Um, and, and I don't think that he's going to be a guy that they're going to look here because he's not a guy that's going to be able to get out in space and, and be a lead blocker. I think of an athletic offensive lineman. Same thing with Darnell Wright. I mean, his lateral mobility was just bad. And he's a waist bender. He's a guy that doesn't really use his late knees to bend and, and natural bend and just uses his uh, bends from the waist and then just stops moving his feet. Now, a lot of that was in the one-on-one pass drills, and a lot of times those are unfair to judge offensive linemen with. So, you know, obviously, we'll, we'll go through the, the due process and, and look at him as well. But those are some of the things that uh, – but those two players. Two offensive linemen that I that caught my eye and I think fit nicely in this scheme is this kid, Nick uh, Saldaveri from Old Dominion. Uh, yeah. He's a guy at 6'6", 3'11", 33-inch arms. He's a, a, a natural athlete, looks like, you know, guy who plays right guard, play left guard. 
He's a guy that, that moves laterally. I think he's a guy that, that could be a, you know, a, a, a day three pick there. And Matthew Bergeron, uh, the tackle from Syracuse, comes in at 6'4", uh, 323 pounds with 33-inch arms. And he played nicely at left tackle. Uh, so, but you know, those measurables typically get kicked inside the guard. He got lined up a guard a lot of times. So if he's a guard in, at the NFL level, I, I, I can see that, but you know, he's a guy that, that athletically, man, at least his feet, you know, his, his bend and ability to, to, to get, you know, stop the, um, get to the, um, to, to the set point quickly, you know, really stood out there for me in, in mobile. So I think that's a kid to keep an eye on there as well. And a couple more receivers. I know we talked about, actually, no, let me, let me talk about this defensive lineman that I really liked. And this is this kid, Carl Brooks from Bowling Green. Um, you know, really showed out uh, in terms of his ability to get into, again, we're talking about a, a guy that's got the ability to get into the backfield, a guy that, that, that can, you know, show well in terms of his run defense as well. So coming from Bowling Green, obviously he's a guy that, you know, doesn't have the, you know, the, the big name. But if you look at his stats, what he did, he had 18 tackles for loss last year with 10 sacks. First career is at 46 tackles for loss with 27 and a half sacks and five, five, uh, five forced fumbles. So, you know, that kid Carl Brooks from, from Bowling Green was a surprise for me. I, I'd never heard of him, honestly. Uh, but just watching him throughout the week, he just kept popping for me. Uh, he's a guy that I keep an eye on as well in terms of, you know, going down here, you know, you know day three possibly uh, in terms of guys they can bring in here. Again, fits that profile, what the Bears look for their interior defensive linemen. Um, I want to get a couple of list. Did he? I'm sorry? I, I think he Was did. He left? I think I, oh. I, I think well, I, Indy left him off the combine him? list. He, he, didn't, he didn't make – he's a combine snub. Yeah, Carl Brooks was a combine snub. There's wow. a couple of players I, I want to get into later on but in terms of guys that I was shocked that they were not invited to the combine. Yeah, but uh, I think we've got another show before the combine, so we will definitely talk about that then. Um, let's uh, – I wanted to get a couple of questions. Ravi has the hypothetical. The Bears traded down and picked up draft picks, and Bijan is there late first round or early second. Do you – Pull the trigger. Neil Stopchinski, you first. Man, it'll be hard not to. <laughs> that, that, that dude would immediately come in and make our backfield arguably the most dynamic in the league, already having Justin Fields. I mean, he, he was a kid that was uh, tracking at the high school level, knew that he was going to be uh, an impact player at Texas, splashed immediately in a big way. Um, mm -hmm. it, it'd be really hard not to pull the trigger. It, it's certainly intriguing. It's certainly worth the thought. If, if I'm Ryan Poles, I'm sitting there thinking, hmm, well, yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's, uh, it's, hard, it's hard to just, uh, you know, walk past a guy like that. Yeah. What do you think, Danny? Nope. I don't pull trigger. <laughs> I don't pull trigger on running back. And I love Bijan Robinson. I, yeah. I, I think he's, 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 he's going to be a good player. Uh, but I, don't, I hope you just put up there. He's not, to me, he's not a generational talent. Uh, he's a guy that, and plus, I, I don't like dropping running backs in the first round. We've already talked about a couple of running backs that we could probably get second day two here. Uh, so I don't pull a trigger there. Uh, plus, you need to tell me if you drafted a defensive lineman, you drafted an offensive lineman, what have you done already? If your first pick in this draft is going to be a running back, mm -hmm. whether it's the, the last pick in the first round or whatever, um, no, I'm, I'm good. I move on. Uh, good player, but I, I don't I don't use a first-round pick on running backs. Yeah, I mean, to be clear, if, if it's if it's one of those situations where he's our first or second pick, yeah, absolutely not because we have bigger needs. But, you know, if, if theoretically we could accumulate a couple more, you know, first-round picks and he said, we're going to – we already got our D lineman or O lineman and uh, maybe somebody else. Uh, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's intriguing to think about at the very least. I'm not saying I'd do it, but it's intriguing to think about. 
I agree with you. It is intriguing thought. Um, hey, would would not want to devote a first round draft pick uh, to a running back, but if he's there late, if he's there with that pick that you got from uh, the Steelers for Claypool, bottom of the second round, you got to be thinking about it very, very heavily. Any Adrian top Robert, running back, Adrian Robinson's not going to get past Buffalo, guys. You don't think so? This guy's already got his mock draft uh, set up for the entire league. Uh, Don Burr, we always love to entertain Don Burr's uh, questions, and he's asking about Justin Shorter out of Florida. Any of you guys know uh, Justin Shorter and want to offer uh, uh, some advice for Don about uh, Shorter's future in the NFL? Yeah, Shorter is a big bite receiver. Uh, I think he came in it came in about, I think, 6'4", something like that. I think he was, he was on at the East-West Shrine game. Uh, just, just a big body receiver out of Florida, averaged about 20 yards per catch this past season, 577, 577 yards, two touchdowns. Um, so he's a, he's a guy that that's just a big body receiver, a, a guy that's not going to be you know blazing in terms of uh, you know running a four three or anything like that, a four four. But he's definitely a guy that you know if you want a big body receiver to the outside. And I think the Lions, I think the Lions are, I think you guys are good at receiver. I'm not sure if you if you're looking for a receiver for the Lions there, Don Burr, but uh, definitely a big body guy. Uh, you know, made some made some nice catches. You know, a guy that that can gives you. Gives your quarterback uh, a, a nice big, uh, um, a nice big, you know, uh, target to throw at too. So, um, you know, definitely a guy that that you're probably going to end up getting. I would say maybe day three of the draft. Okay. Um, all right. Before we go, Super Bowl is this Sunday. Want to get your thoughts on the game, Kansas City Chiefs, Philadelphia Eagles? I personally think this is going to be one of the best Super Bowls of all time. Two really, really good teams with. Fascinating stories up and down the offensive, defensive lines, the quarterbacks, the the uh, skull session that's going to happen between these two coaching staffs. I'm really excited about this upcoming Super Bowl. Neil, your thoughts on the game, and if you want to venture a uh, guess on who's going to win, I'd love to hear it. Well, man, I'm I'm still evaluating that part of it. I, I have no idea, but what I'm looking forward to seeing is arguably the best line in the NFL against one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. Um, two of the, I mean, great quarterback stories in the NFL, two of the, you know, a, a great, you know, coaching story in the NFL. I mean, there, there's there's so much going on. For people, there's no storylines, and, you know, this this media week is boring and everything else, man. That I don't think you got to watch it. <laughs> there, there's so much shit going on that, uh, I mean, I, I really personally think that, I mean, if, if, if you look at the way that, that uh, the Philadelphia Eagles kind of dominated in the trenches against San Francisco. And again, you know, the other thing too is none of these teams, I believe have trailed so far in the playoffs. They've, they've, they pretty well controlled every game that they've been in. The Eagles have well, absolutely destroyed both of the teams that they've played. But, the Bengals had a lead um, over the, the Chiefs. Do I know? The Bengals had a lead over the Chiefs. Did they? So the Chiefs, the, the Chiefs did, did trail. You said none of the teams trailed in, in the playoffs. The, the Chiefs did trail to the Bengals. Oh, so Field Yates led me wrong. Fuck Field Yates. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Going back to that. Hang on. Maybe I, I read the thing wrong. Hang on a second. Let me pull this up. But he, uh, he has some really good. At, he has some really good tidbits so far. And you know, the one thing that he tweeted out. This is this is bizarre. And if, if this is correct. Um, the Chiefs this year, 16-3 overall record, 546 points scored, six All-Pros, including a Kelsey brother and their quarterback, his number one seed. The Eagles, 16-3 overall record, 546 points scored, 
all pros, including a Kelsey brother and their quarterback, NFC's number one seed. I mean, that, that that's some uh, galactic, uh, you know, coincidence, uh, planetary alignment type stuff, right? There. I mean, <laughs> you, this is uh, the Super Bowl. I, I'm I'm hope I'm hoping that everybody will see because this is probably the two best teams in the NFL getting together and going at it um, on the you know, Sunday night. I'm amped up to watch this. I think the Eagles are going to win just based on uh, playing the trenches. I think that this offensive line is absolutely special. Jason Kelsey's had the best year of his career towards the tail end of his career, which is absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, again, you know, with Patrick Mahomes, you got to imagine that he's pro healed by now. And you got to imagine that, you know, two weeks out from – from uh, the last time he's played on an injured ankle, that you know he's going to be as as healthy he's, as he could possibly be. Uh, I think that's the that's the ultimate uh, uh, you know variable there in, in terms of if if you're talking about gambling, you know how healthy is Mahomes? How dynamic is that offense going to be? I think the line is, is it still one and a half right now, or has uh, Vegas finally moved it a little bit? I think it's I, still I one and a half. A couple days ago. That's crazy. Yeah, I looked 70, at it. 75, 76% of the money is on Philadelphia Eagles right now. They haven't moved the line. They're probably waiting for a definitive answer on, on Mahomes' foot yeah. on an ankle. But, uh, well, Andy, Andy yeah, Reid said that. Stuff, uh, it's going to be a great game. Yeah, Andy Reid said but, that the ankle is well enough to uh, ha, uh, for him to execute every play in the playbook. So take that for what it's worth. You know, maybe the playbook has been slimmed down, and and he's just uh, not telling us the complete facts behind it. Yeah. Danny, what do you think about That's the veteran game? coach speak right there? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Well, I got a lot to say about the game, but uh, just real quick, Cliff Victoria, I think I saw a question pop up in the chat. He's, he's a great listener of ours, a great follower, and I, he asked a question. Uh, in terms of my predicting the Bijan Robinson going to Buffalo, he said that they drafted James Cook uh, last year. That's true. They drafted James Cook, but he's more. He's not of every down back, and plus Devin Singletary is a free agent. I think he's going to be gone. And I think that, that potentially they, they can get Bijan Robinson in the first round, so that's to answer Cliff's, uh, Cliff's question. And in terms of the game, I think it's, I think you guys are right. I think it's the, the two best teams this year. I think it's. Uh, I think the Eagles are going to go ahead and, and, and put a, a, a hurting on Mahomes with that with that pass rush. I mean, the biggest thing is is that that this uh, this uh, Chiefs offensive line is the greatest offensive line in football. It's it's not. The the Eagles offensive line might be the best offensive line in football. I mean, if you look at the Chiefs, Orlando Brown's overrated left tackle. He's not even. I don't know how he makes Pro Bowls. He's he's not a left tackle. Wiley a right tackle is is, is a bump pretty much. Uh, the only guy that's good is Trey Smith and 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 the Creed Humphrey. And uh, and Tooney, that, that so the interior is pretty good, but the, the tackles are are are, are going to be hurting. Who said that Chiefs' offensive line is the best in football? No, no, people are not you. I'm not saying people are saying like the Chiefs' offensive line is one of the best in football. So I think I think I think they're not. I think that's that's a, that's a sham. So I think the defensive line for the the, the Eagles are going to go after them, and I think they're going to put a hurting on on Mahomes, who obviously is, is going to be still a little bit limited. Uh, you know, better, healthier than he was in the AFC Championship game, but he's going to still be a little bit limited. And he's, he doesn't have any, any healthy receivers. I mean, I think all of his top weapons are, are pretty much hurt, except for Kelsey. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But, I, but I'm predicting the Eagles to win, and I want the Eagles to win, not because I'm an Eagles fan, because I want – this is a copycat league, and now you're going to see an offense that runs the same damn thing the Bears run so people can stop telling me that Justin Fields is not a quarterback you can win with. So you can see that this is this, the exact offense that they're going to be running is the exact offense the Bears run. So for those who say trade Justin Fields, the Super Bowl champions potentially could have the same type of quarterback that you do as, as, a, as a Bears fan, except your quarterback is more athletic and is probably going to be a better player overall eventually in his career. So 
take that. That's why I want the Eagles to win so everybody can shut up then. Guys, fantastic job tonight. This is one of my favorite draft on taps of all time. We got a lot Hell in yeah. in 90 minutes. It was a sensational, uh, uh, fact-filled, opinion-filled show, and the pace was uh, fantastic. So thanks very much for all your hard work. Uh, for those of you uh, listening live, thank you all for being a part of the chat room. You're a big part of the show when you can interact with us and we can uh, bounce comments off of what you put in the chat. Let me remind you again about Danny's and Neil's private party. There are a few slots still open for that. It's March 1st. Just send me an email at Aldo at Bears, excuse me, uh, Aldo at BearsBarroom.com. Send me an email. Tell me you're interested, and I'll get you the int inf information back. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that. That's on March 1st of this year. So for Danny Shimon, for Neil Stopchinski, and for everyone else here at the Barroom Network, thank you all very much for being a part of this Draft on Tap. I'm Aldo Gandia. Bye-bye.